this week's episode of Cult of Curiosities. I'm Sarah. I'm Chris. And welcome back, Chris. I haven't heard from you in a while. I know, I wasn't in the last episode. What have you been up to? Uh, Living large. Living large? Yeah, living like Larry. Yeah? Yeah. That's about it. Do you want (laughs) to go into any more detail about that, or is that the Uh, end of the story? I work all day. You work all day? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do you want to tell everyone the theme that we picked for today, inspired by my mom? Yeah, inspired by T. Shout out to T. We chose to do like a a Halloween theme, just but not Halloween, just like something that that's creepy or along the lines of Halloween that are just spooky, scary, makes sense you chills or you know you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Sorry, I didn't realize you were like looking for like yeah. an answer for me. Input. Wow. Sorry, I'm sorry. Um, I chose uh, the Russian sleep experiment, which uh, for a while uh, I believe was uh, believed to be a real thing. The Russian sleep experiment. Yeah, but it's not. It's just a, a creepy pasta. Oh really? Yes. Uh, it tells a tale of which uh, five. Pretty much prisoners of war. Mm-hmm. You know, people they capture from the war. Pows. Huh? Pows. Pows, yeah. <laughs> POWs. Uh, they were exposed to a sleep-inhibiting stimulant, like a gas. Inhibiting. Yeah. You said inhibiting. Did I? Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Just, just trying to help you grow. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I fumble my words every <laughs> once in a while. Like a normal human. Anyway, but pretty much the, their goal was to see like and study like what happens to, you know, a person in their mind when they just don't sleep yeah. for 30 sleep days. Sleep deprivation. Yeah. So the experiment, the story recounts an experiment set in 1947 at a testing facility. In Soviet Russia, does not say where. Okay. But pretty much, uh, this was like a like a covert like facility. Like it was like like a blacklist, like government project. You know, like it's like off records. And um, like I said before, the five POWs, <laughs> prisoners of war, were sealed in a gas chamber. Okay. If you know if you don't know what a gas chamber is, uh, you could probably look it up and figure it out. But um, probably just so, call Anne Frank and ask her. <laughs> oh my God, that's gonna get you canceled. Whatever. You probably want to edit that. Out. All, all my fifteen listeners are gonna cancel. Sarah, me. listening. If future Sarah edit that out. Future Sarah <clears throat> won't edit it out. <laughs> um, they were kept awake in this gas chamber. For 30 consecutive days while being exposed to this gas. This That this. was going to keep them awake? Yes. Okay. The prisoners were falsely promised that they would be set free from prison if they completed the experiment in the specified 30 days. Okay. So, you stay awake for 30 days. I guess on the 31st day you can sleep all day and be free. You know? Yeah. 
Sorry, Chris just keeps rubbing his hoodie strings on the table and making noise on the freaking microphone. Well, we'll have to see if we can actually hear it. I can see it in the sound wave. Smart guy. Whatever. Um, they behaved normally for the for five days. Really? <laughs> yeah. For about five days, they were they act normally. They're talking to each other, whispering to each other. Um, after about nine days, discussions became gradually darker in subject matter. Probably about death, suicide. What probably? I feel like. I mean, you've been awake for nine days. How, how many hours is that? Twenty-four times. I'm not a mathematician. I can't do that off the top of my head, but I have a handy-dandy calculator right here. 216 hours. Yeah, so I can't imagine what the f- you're thinking about. I literally <coughs> get like six hours of sleep, and I'm a bitch the next day. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine not sleeping for that long. I know. Um... After nine days, one subject began screaming uncontrollably for hours, while the others did not react to Same his girl. outburst. I do that now. The man screamed for so long that he tore his vocal cords and was rendered mute as a result. Damn, is that possible? You think? Um, I know you can like damage your vocal cords, like yeah, obviously. No, like permanently. Yeah, like it's like that. So yeah, I guess. Uh, when the second one started screaming, the others prevented the researchers from looking inside by passing torn book pages in their own feces on the porthole windows. That was mm. disgusting, but alright. Yummy. Uh, on the 15th day, the researchers decided to turn off the stimulating gas and reopen the chambers. The subjects did not want the gas to turn off, fearing they would fall asleep. Imagine being awake for so long, you're scared to fall asleep. Why? I would be so excited to fall asleep. You're probably insane. 15 days without sleep. That's that's just too much. And why, like, what are the, oh, they get to be released. Sorry. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Why they, they, like, were trying so hard. When they peered inside the shit-filled gas chamber. <laughs> Uh, They discovered that the four subjects, or the four surviving subjects, had performed lethal and severe mutilation and disembowelment on themselves. On themselves or to each other? On themselves. Okay. Including tearing off sections of skin and muscles, removing multiple abdominal abdominal organs, practicing self-cannibalism. So they would just eat themselves. Okay. Where were they at? They, did they not sleep or did they take bath salts? <laughs> I don't know. They also, I guess, uh, they ate one of them. Like, he ate himself, like, so bad that, like, he would, like, he, like, pretty much, like, he had eaten so much of his himself that he was just sitting there, like, bathing in his, like, own blood, pretty much. And he just died that way. Like, he died eating himself. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, naturally, the other surviving prisoners ate him. Oh. 
So they have, they like had his leftovers. Yeah, you know, there's just he he ate there. out at the fancy restaurant, and they opened the fridge and saw the little black box in the fridge, and we're like, why not? While it's here. They begged the scientists to continue administering the stimulant, murdering one soldier and severely injuring another that attempted to remove them. They're freaking insane. So they didn't all die at the end of, at the end. No, they were just it? they were just psychotic. Oh my god. Like just complete lunacy. It says, uh, the ability to remain alive despite lethal injuries and in dis- in desperate desire to stay awake and be given the stimulant. It was also found that any one of the subjects fell asleep, they would die. They so, felt that way? No, that's what they, like, that was their, after they let them out and, like, not let them out, but, like, open the door and everything, they, and how they feared sleeping and in not having that stimulant they they came to the conclusion that if they fell asleep they would die like they it would just be such like i guess a shock to them that they would die or something the scientists or the people the scientists okay. concluded that about the people um after being somewhat treated for their severe injuries the surviving three subjects were prepared to return to the gas chamber with the stimulant by the orders of the military officials so they were so halfway through they were like hey you know this probably isn't you know going too good like you know that dude ate himself to death and then the other three ate his corpse so you know we probably shouldn't do this and the russian military was like no keep doing it I want to see what happens. So they sent the same people back. They sent those three people? people back in after okay. they after they patched them up. I feel like that's kind of like besides the point because they've already done it for thirty days, so it, or whatever it was. So they kind of mm. gonna be like skewed results. I feel like wouldn't you want a fresh batch of people if you were gonna keep testing? You know what I mean? Mm. I guess I just want to keep pushing the limit. So, pretty much what a, how this ends. Because I read some of this, but I didn't really read the end. But pretty much how this ends is... So, they put them back in the gas chamber. They put them with the EEG monitors. Like the heart monitor things. Yeah. And one of them fell asleep. And oh, no. he died. Oh, so they were right. The scientists. Were yes, right. his brain waves were deceased. They like panicked, like the frequencies went crazy, and they like panicked and went like haywire. Yeah, and then he died. Interesting. Um, one of them. Um, <laughs> One of them um, had started attacking a researcher or something, and he pulled out his gun, and then the crazy dude took his gun and shot himself. And then the other one was like, he like I'm I'm assuming he was gonna die from just being like 
awake for so long. So, like, he was just there with, like, the guard. And, like, his last words, like, as he was falling asleep, pretty much, so, like, dying, he said, so nearly free. Because that's his, like, being free is sleeping, dying. Mm. It's pretty sad. Yeah. But that's the end of uh, the Russian sleep experience. So none of them got out of prison. <laughs> nope. They uh, tortured them, kept them alive for a while, watched them eat each other, shit everywhere, patched them up for a little bit, was like, hey, you know, maybe we'll stop this, and then threw them back in there, and then watched them pretty much finally sleep and die. Like, I mean, I know it's not real, like, I don't, like, it's just, like, a story, but, like, imagine that, like, if you were awake for that long, like, you're body just depends on being awake so like once you fall asleep it's just over i mean like that's what happens when you're overtired is you almost get to a point where you're so tired you can't sleep so okay so mine is a true story and it is a um halloween murder so on october 31st 1974 so halloween of 1974 and in pasadena texas um, the O'Briens had dinner with their friends, Jim and Jean Bates, which were, they lived in like higher class area of Pasadena and the O'Briens lived in Deer Park, which was not as nice. The father of the O'Brien family was an, um, optician and he had two children, eight-year-old Timothy and five-year-old Elizabeth. And he, on this night, volunteered to take the kids trick-or-treating with the other family friend, Jim Bates, and his two children, Mark and Kim. Jean Bates and Danine O'Brien, the, the two wives, stayed at the Bates home to hand out candy to trick-or-treaters. That night it was raining, so they only ended up doing about two streets before they just decided to quit because it wasn't an enjoyable experience. One house that they had gone up to before deciding to go home had the porch light turned off, but the kids knocked anyway. No one answered the door, and so the Bates' father herded the children down the street to get them out of the rain and get home. The O'Brien father lagged behind. A few minutes later, he rejoined the group, and he was holding five giant pixie sticks. He told them that rich neighbors were handing out expensive treats. In 1974, a giant pixie stick measured 21 inches long. Damn. So almost two feet long. And we all, I don't mean if anyone's never had a pixie stick before, it's basically just like sugar mm. that's sour in a paper tube. That's but I kind of, I love pixie sticks. I'm not oh, even going to lie. And I haven't had one in so long. We need to go like the Dollar Tree or something and get some. So, apparently, unbeknownst to anyone, these pixie sticks had been shoved up his jacket sleeve all night. And he had just been waiting for the right moment to hand out these pixie sticks. So he gave the pixie sticks to his two children and the Bates children. And if you remember, he had five. So later on, he gave the last one to 11-year-old Whitney Park, who was just a random girl that they had met out trick-or-treating. And he was just like, here, take this. Um, her family attended the same place of worship as the O'Briens, the Second Baptist Church of Pasadena. 
Unfortunately, O'Brien had added two inches of potassium cyanide to every single one of the Pixie Six, issuing a guaranteed death sentence to any of the five children who consumed it. He had put it in these five Pixie Six and distributed them to kind of throw law enforcement off his trail like that was his plan from the beginning Hmm. to think that some house had been handing out the candy and that these kids had just all stopped at the same house. But the truth was that O'Brien had only two real victims in mind, Tim and Elizabeth, which was his own two children. Uh, Later on that evening, the O'Briens returned home. Daneen apparently went back out to visit a friend and Ronald began to get the kids ready to go to bed. He told the two children that they could each have one Halloween treat to enjoy before bedtime, but he heavily encouraged his children to take the pixie sticks. Elizabeth refused and chose a different candy. Bill Lanier, who was a former police officer that investigated Timothy's death, said, uh, quote, the boy reached in and pulled out a sucker. O'Brien said, no, no, you don't have time to eat a sucker. Here, try this pixie stick. Really just luring them in. Uh-huh. When the candy wouldn't come out, O'Brien rolled the plastic tube between his hands to loosen the powder and then poured it into his son's mouth. So he's just... Shoving it down the throat. Yeah. Uh, Timothy complained about the bitter taste, and O'Brien gave him a glass of Kool-Aid to wash it down. How thoughtful. Yeah. Just moments later, Timothy ran to the bathroom, his stomach racked with painful cramps. Uh, He vomited and then almost immediately started convulsing and foaming at the mouth. And O'Brien held his son until the boy went limp. Lanier said it was an overkill. There was enough poison to kill a herd of elephants. That's why the boy threw up so violently. Timothy had ingested enough cyanide to kill at least two grown men. It took less than 30 minutes for the potassium cyanide to rob his cells of oxygen. Uh, The poison ultimately suffocated his brain and then his heart. By the time the ambulance arrived at the hospital, obviously it was too late. This is a quote from the, I believe, Jim Bates, the father of the Bates family, um, saying that at the funeral of Timothy, Ronald O'Brien walked right beside the open casket with his kid in it. He didn't pause. He didn't look. He didn't stop. He just walked by at his own kid's funeral. And so fucked up. So... I'm sure that you're probably wondering, well, why? I know. Do you have any guesses? Mm, Don't look at his my wife? I can't read that. What about his wife? He doesn't like her. And so, so she's like doing it as like to get yeah. back at her? Yeah. No. I don't know. <laughs> Wrong. He did this um, because... Although he was an optician, and you think that they would tend to make a little bit of money, he was more than $100,000 in debt, which in today's money, 2023, that's about almost $600,000 Damn. in debt. A little over 600000 So he clearly was kind of fucked, yeah. <laughs> essentially. According to financial you know statements and stuff from the time that were eventually submitted in court during his trial it showed that his car was about to be repossessed um he was defaulting on several bank loans and texas state optical wanted to fire him for theft 
and his home was also currently in foreclosure. In January of 1974, so the very beginning of that same year, O'Brien took out $10,000 life insurance policies on both Timothy and Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. During O'Brien's trial, Timothy's mother, Danine, testified that she only knew of a $10,000 bo- policy on the children to which she had objected. She was unaware that her husband ended up taking out two more policies worth $20,000 each on October 3rd of 1974, so right before. Yeah, damn. So the morning after his son's death, so he died on Halloween night, so not even like probably like 10 hours later, um, O'Brien called the insurance company to ask them about the payout of his insurance policy. Wow. Ronald O'Brien was arrested for the murder of Timothy on November 5th, 1974, which was only five days later um, that Timothy passed away, not even a week. Initially, he attempted to blame um, an innocent person for giving out the poison pixie six. He pointed the finger at uh, Courtney Melvin, who was the man that lived in the house that had the porch line on, but nobody came, or off, but nobody came to the door when they rang the bell. He, O'Brien claimed that he didn't see Melvin's face, only a hairy arm holding the pixie six through the slightly opened front door, which we know didn't happen. So the police actually ended up arresting Melvin based off of what O'Brien told them. But he had a rock-solid alibi. He was working um, at the airport during the murders and during Halloween, which was why he wasn't home to answer the door, and had at least 200 witnesses who could place him at his job on the night of the murder. Yeah, there's no going against that. Yeah. So he could have probably picked someone better to try to put the blame on, but unfortunately for him, he didn't. And he continued to have ever-changing stories lies that they knew were lies like they were trying to catch him in a lie and he fell right into it (laughs) and he had a complete lack of emotion about his son's death and that led police to ultimately suspect that he was the killer he didn't really care as they investigated him they found out about his money problems the life insurance policies on his children and his attempts to acquire potassium cyanide which isn't incriminating at all He had even visited a Houston chemical company to ask about buying cyanide. But when he found out that the minimum amount he could purchase from them was only five pounds, he left. Five pounds wasn't enough. Even though I'm pretty sure like a little tiny pinch of cyanide can kill you. As the investigation continued, uh, police also learned that he had attended a community college. (laughs) College. Community college class. Maybe I should take one if I don't know how to fucking pronounce college. In which he asked his professor, which is more lethal, cyanide or something else? So, and it wasn't like he had taken this college class in college. Like, he went out of his way to attend this class, like, currently. Yeah. After getting a warrant, uh, they searched the O'Brien house and found a pair of scissors with plastic residue that matched the cyanide-laced sweets. Uh, Former Harris County prosecutor Mike Hinton said, quote, the man from the store said he couldn't identify O'Brien, 
but he remembered that his customer was wearing a beige or blue smock, almost like a doctor. Hmm. If you remember, O'Brien yeah. was an optician, and that was pretty much identical to what he wore to work. On June 3rd, um, 1975, it only took the jury 46 minutes to completely unanimously convict O'Brien of one charge of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder uh, because only Timothy ended yeah. up passing away. And he was sentenced to death by electric chair. Damn. He received three stays of execution, and um, ultimately his third execution date was scheduled for, ironically, October 31st, 1982, the eight-year anniversary. What is wrong with me? Anniversary of Timothy's death. And he was sentenced by Judge Michael McSpadden, who offered to personally drive O'Brien to the death chamber. Damn. Yeah. That execution date, again, fell through, and his fourth execution date was set for March 31st, 1984. Um, This time, another stay of execution would not be granted. In 1977, Texas adopted lethal injection as its uh, execution method so that he didn't end up having to go to the electric chair, unfortunately. Yeah. Didn't get what he deserved. Um, so March 31st ended up sticking and being his date. And on the night of his execution, almost 300 people gathered outside the Texas State Penitentiary. They shouted trick or treat and threw candy at anti-death penalty protesters. <laughs> on this night, he received the lethal injection that ended his life. His last words are so obnoxious and annoying and I hate him. He said, what is about to transpire in a few moments is wrong. However, we as human beings do make mistakes and errors. This execution is one of those wrongs, yet doesn't mean our whole system of justice is wrong. Therefore, I would forgive all who have taken part in any way in my death. Thank God you forgive them, you fucking piece of shit scumbag. Yeah, you know, you did. I, I'm just curious how he thought he was going to get away with it because I feel because he wasn't even planning on that that random house of that guy not being home that night to blame him. So, like, what was his plan to try to cover it up? I don't know. Hopefully he thought he was going to be able to kill him, get the money and go. He just thought that they were going to, like, be like, oh, well, since it happened to multiple kids, it must have been one of the people handing out candy. And he was hoping one of them would be having pixie yeah. sticks. Like, what a fucking idiot. Anyways, um, according to reports, the lethal injection began working within 30 seconds, and it took only eight minutes for him to die. He took his last breath at 1248 a.m. After the execution, Danino O'Brien, his wife, said, quote, he made his bed and now he is having to lie in it. I have no pity for him. Damn. Yeah. Which, can you blame her? No. (laughs) So that was the story of the um, murder of Timothy O'Brien. And uh, Ronald O'Brien is also known as the Halloween candy killer. Mm-hmm. That was good. I like that. Spooky. I'm going to double check my uh, pixie sticks from now on. <laughs> so you had to double check your pants. No. It wouldn't be quite out of the realm of possibility oh for you. Oh, my God. No more for you. No. 
Look me in the eyes and tell me which one of us poops more. Yeah. You. This is so awkward that we both think it's the other oh one. Oh my god. I guess we'll never know. Nope. Alright, you have anything else you want to add? Nope. It's kind of a short one today. Only 30 mm-hmm. minutes. I'll stretch it out. So. You want me to sing a song to you? <laughs> Girl, put your records on. Okay, that's enough of that. Uh, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming and enjoying our podcast. We'll see you next time. See you next time. If you have any ideas, let us know. Yeah. Any anything you want to hear? Requests. Yeah, requests on certain certain stories or topics. Yeah, you know, get funky with it. Um and. Remember to uh, stay spooky. Bye. Bye.